We learn quickly as kids that if a friend does something wrong, you don't tell on them. You keep your mouth shut. You close ranks. Where if you do tell, you're snitching, ratting, sneaky, underhanded. Think it's set into us from a very early age. Because in many cultures, we do not like snitches. We carry that with us into adulthood. But it's not just dislike. Going behind someone's back is an abhorrent act. That hostility, a mixture of fear and misplaced loyalty, I guess. Undermining that loyalty, that's the mentality that's operating here. To go against the grain and pass on information without the person or people who it's about knowing immediately pits you against this cultural belief. This is the landscape of the whistleblower. Uncharted, volatile territory where talking can quickly spiral into a legal issue, become dangerous, and even life-threatening. This narrative has been potent in the cultural psyche. The cultural approach to the whistleblower, the whistleblower is a snitch, full stop. In Europe, there's not even a word to translate in any single European language the word whistleblower. And most of the interpretation, the synonym, are bad. But slowly as we move further and further into the digital age, this perception is starting to change, due in large part to the technology that makes whistleblowing possible. Today, you'll learn what these technologies are, why we need them, and how a long-standing cultural belief is holding us back from the truth. This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Jake Morecambe. Let's actually step out even further. What is the actual procedure that takes place? Well, in most cases, it usually involves an individual, very seldom a group, who feels the organisation is doing something wrong, and they need to raise it with an appropriate authority figure. Peter Fleming is a professor of business and management at the University of Technology, Sydney. Peter explains whistleblowing exists in almost every professional environment, the corporate world, within organisations, and, of course, government. Most of the time it is raised internally, usually going to your boss. Unfortunately, if your boss is implicated in the wrongdoing, then that becomes difficult. You'll have to go to their boss or an internal regulator or HR. That first moment, it's typically been a face-to-face interaction. Usually that is the way in which whistleblowing occurs. Whistleblowers often feel uncomfortable even if they choose to remain anonymous, let alone go public. Why would some want to be public? It could be because they know that or they expect little action or change to be affected when they raise it internally. It could be because the issue is so important 
to the public concern that they need to raise it in a public domain. But sometimes the cost is just too high and people thinking it's probably best just to keep your mouth shut. What are those costs? You lose your job, won't be employed in the sector ever again, blacklisted, a reputation for being a snitch, a reputation for being untrustworthy. It's a big, big risk, a big danger in this day and age. Just look what's happening in the United States at the moment with the whistleblower who hasn't been identified yet, but Donald Trump kind of hinted at, you know, um, execution for someone who's a traitor against the state. While it might seem like the hostility towards whistleblowers is at an all-time high, Fabio Pietrosanti, president of the Hermes Centre for Transparency and Digital Human Rights in Italy, says they're more important now than ever before. What is the significance of whistleblowing in 2019? It had to be part of the corporate culture and public agencies' culture in order to keep our society clean, thanks to the whistleblower courage. Within any organisation, there's at least some level of infrastructure or system in place that enables people to come forward with sensitive information. Fabio says more and more of these are becoming digital. In 2019, we found that most of those malpractices are reported digitally. So while whistleblowing in the past used to be a niche of wrongdoing reporting, now it's becoming more and more a normal standard things. Insert digital technologies into the equation. What does that look like? Well, the most simple way in 2019, we're still blowing, it's just basically connecting to a secure website with or without a secure web browser and filling out a questionnaire and a form and then having a chat to have a conversation about the wrongdoing that it has to be reported. So nowadays, it's easy as connecting to a website. But just because you're on a secure browser or website doesn't mean what you're doing is anonymous or even secure. Fabio argues that most digital whistleblowing systems in the workplace are on average very insecure because most of the product and services are commercial product, typically developed by so-called legal compliance company run by lawyer. And so figure it out. How could a legal compliance firm develop high-standard cybersecurity software? So the average security that we saw out there is very low. What makes software from those legal firms insecure? When we speak about securely with compliance lawyer, we are speaking about compliance security requirements. So we are speaking about certification. It's all about having stamps from someone else that given a set of external cybersecurity or information security requirements and say, yes, it's secure. It's about protecting the confidentiality 
integrity of the information among the party, but not about protecting the metadata. Protecting the metadata, Fabio says, is what a truly secure digital whistleblowing system is all about. The security of whistleblowing software, we are speaking not just about encryption and protection of the communication, but about protection of the metadata. Which computer speak to which other computer when and for how much time? If there's a trace that this computer connected to this whistleblowing website and keep connected for 50 minutes and exchange this amount of data, regardless of the fact that it's an encrypted communication, so I don't know what has been sent. Well, I know that something has been sent. In such a case, it will be possible to identify that, hey, who were using this computer is a whistleblower. The failure of these systems to truly protect whistleblowers is something Fabio and the team at the Hermes Centre set out to solve. And they did. With the GlobalLeaks software. Tell me when GlobalLeaks came onto the picture. In 2012, there were no whistleblowing software out there. We said, we need to fill the gap. And so we started developing the GlobalX software. GlobalX is an open source, free software that enables secure and anonymous whistleblowing. This includes the protection of whistleblower metadata. GlobalX ended up being used by public authorities. Madagascar Anti-Corruption Authority, the Italian Anti-Corruption Authority, several multinational companies, the city of Barcelona are using global leaks. So not only the activists, not only the journalists are using those pieces of software, but also the government. How does it actually work? Is the software publicly accessible and then they can download it and incorporate it into their digital system? Is, is that how it works? Well, no. GlobalX, uh, it's a standalone server software that's possible to be installed on a Linux server. A Linux server is essentially an operating system. It's where all the online activity in your organization is hosted. It has been designed since the beginning to be something that it's very easy to be installed and very easy to be configured. So the fundamental GlobalX project plan that has been written in 2011 in the first sentence, say, make it easy to deploy a whistleblowing website. We implemented a very simple installation that uh, someone with very low technical skills can configure. What this means is you download the software and can incorporate it into your organization's own website or intranet or whatever. This provides a secure and trustworthy place for people to go. We want to protect whistleblowers, so we need organizations that provide a safe digital whistleblowing system. So we are trying to enable the enabler to provide protection to whistleblowers. And this is, I think, one of the great achievements that we see in the diffusion of digital whistleblowing system. Having a strong digital whistleblowing system in place, Fabio says, helps to strip back the pressure 
of blowing the whistle. It does. It does remove a psychological barrier. If I know that I can anonymously and privately approach my concern in a safe and anonymous way, it's much likely that I will do compared to a hotline or an office when I need to go physically and use my voice or put my face and put my signature. So anonymous whistleblowing, thanks to the digital anonymity technology, enable a lot more whistleblower to approach and start reporting wrongdoing because it reduces the psychological barrier to do so. Do you think digital whistleblowing technology can shift the cultural attitude towards whistleblowers? Yes, I think that digital whistleblowing can shift the cultural attitudes toward whistleblower because make something unknown known. Given the fact that people can feel, can see more practically what whistleblowing is, because they are one click away from blowing the whistle, make this more near and make it more understandable. Additionally, all the organizations that run a digital whistleblowing initiative make a lot of accountability and reporting of which kind of report and which kind of case they work it on. And so this changed the paradigm of perceiving how usable it is. I used to say that often a whistleblowing system It's like a black hole in the universe because it sucks information in and you really don't know which kind of information get out. But as you start having more and more digitally based whistleblowing technology, there is a push in having more accountability and having more public information of which kind of malpractice has been uncovered from that specific digital whistleblowing initiative. And this creates confidence. This creates a better degree of transparency. So yes, digital whistleblowing is definitely helping a lot in uh, making whistleblowing more understandable and less distance from the general public perception. Software and digital whistleblowing technologies. Peter Fleming from the University of Technology Sydney says can't work without stronger legal protections for whistleblowers. New laws were introduced in Australia in June or July that put into place in various types of industry legislation, mainly the Corporation Act and also the Australian Securities and Investment Commission Act. There were amendments to those laws that included protections for whistleblowers. And this mainly came after the Royal Commission into Banking Misconduct in which everyone asked, this had been going on for 10 years, why didn't anyone say anything? That has some quite robust protections for whistleblowers of particular sorts regarding if it's anonymous, then what usually happens is the senior manager wants to know who it is, you know, and to contain any reputational damage. And so going by any means possible to find and identify who in their midst is the whistleblower, So there are protections around that. To ensure that person can remain anonymous. Exactly, exactly. And protections of using undue methods to find out who the whistleblower is. And if they are identified, then there are laws for, you know, again, legal. So what happens on the ground is a different matter usually. But uh, at least there are laws and protections regarding unfair dismissal, constructive dismissal, 
and being ostracised, being bullied, being treated in a way that is aggressively intimidating and so forth. So there are now new protections regarding that. Do you see that as a step in the right direction to, I guess, adjust the cultural perception of blowing the whistle? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But having said that, we need to be aware of the complexities on the ground. In situ complexities, let's look at, say, whistleblowing opportunities for welfare cheats, as they call them. You know, people who are gaining welfare payments through dubious practices. There are opportunities for family members and so forth to kind of call up and and inform the state that this is happening. Now, no one uses that. No one does, for obvious reasons. Even thinking about it, it sounds creepy, right? But from an abstract level, sure, they're cheating the taxpayer, and they're taking advantage and they're rotting the system. But you can see on the ground those values when you and I both cringe when we think about someone ratting on a, on a beneficiary. Even here in, in the studio, kind of feel it. You know, changing that, I think, would be, would be quite tough because it has a whole set of resonances. Are you going to tell on someone who works next, next to you to the independent regulator or if you really, really are concerned, try and deal with it internally. Do you think our relationship with whistleblowing will always be fraught? I think so. I think it's always going to be it's always going to be difficult. Unless, you know, that culture changes it very ingrained. Very ingrained. And as as I say, you know, we learn it from such an early age that changing those perceptions is very, very tough. By the same token, I think that there needs to be a codified effort in the legal system and judicial system that is a pace with the concerns of anyone who wants to blow the whistle, who wants to come forth with information regarding what's happening in the organisation that is of public interest. Because if there isn't, then we're not going to make much progress. It's a long way between that and actually having people trusting that those protections and those legal frameworks are actually going to mean that whistleblowers aren't going to be kind of chased out of town, I guess. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for your company. (laughs) 